Hi folks, Steve Adubato here. Welcome to Lessons in Leadership, everything you've ever wanted, needed to know, or you don't even know you need to know about being a leader. With my colleague, Mary Gamba, we're about to introduce our friend, Tony. Bring in Tony, bring in Tony Russo, the president, Commerce and Industry Association of New Jersey, CEO, publisher, Commerce Magazine. How you doing, our buddy, Tony? We're fine, thank you, Steve. How's everybody on your end? We're doing great, Mary. Tell folks who our partners are, which includes Tony and his team. Sure thing, happy to do so. So first of all, our sponsors, thank you to all of you. We have Valley Bank, we have the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, we have Prager Metis and Givens PC. And some of our great uh, promotional partners, as you had just mentioned, CIANJ and Commerce Magazine. Thank you so much, Tony, for your support there. It's fantastic. NJOnAir.com, one of our newer promotional partners as well. You could also find us on News 12 Plus if you're watching us right there now, Spotify, Google Play, uh, Google Podcasts, uh, the list goes on and on. So uh, you can really find this wonderful show, Lessons in Leadership, almost anywhere. You know, Tony, last time you joined us on Lessons in Leadership, and by the way, we've done some terrific uh, seminars with Tony and his team. You can log on to their website, which will be up on the screen. You'll be able to go back and take a look at what we've done. Tony, that was pretty early on that we did a, a remote seminar with a lot of your members, right? It was, it was in June. I remember it well. And it was- Okay, so now we're taping on October the 6th. This will be seen later. If I had to ask you the number one challenge that most of your members, most of the businesses face who are members of the Commerce and Industry Association face, all of whom are leaders and entrepreneurs, right? Correct. Yeah. What's the number one issue you believe most of them are facing? I think right now the, their biggest concern is finding that new normal. What is life going to be like after the pandemic? Uh, what's business going to be like? You know, how is business going to change? How they do business between each other? Uh, how their employees are going to react post-pandemic? So I think everybody's trying to find that soft spot, you know, and, and just trying to find that happy place uh, as to what the new normal is going to be. What about this one? I keep talking about being strategic on this show and in my books, particularly my last one, Lessons in Leadership, and the new book that Mary and I are writing together, uh, Lessons in Leadership, uh, Innovation in the Age of COVID and Beyond. A lot of what we talk about is being strategic, being a strategic thinker, leader, communicator. I keep asking myself, wait a minute, hold on. You ever see these companies, that organizations come up with a, a five-year strategic plan? So I'm saying, wait a minute, how are you supposed to come up with a strategic plan of three, five years or more with so much that is uncertain, Tony Rousseau? Talk to us. Uh, I think the number one ingredient has to be you have to build in flexibility into any strategic plan that you develop. Uh, you have to account for crises. Uh, and, and so a lot of our members are prepared, right? They practice, they drill. Uh, they have that backup plan in case a crisis like this happens. And then you have to mobilize uh, and you really have to. What does that mean? You just have to put that plan in, in action, right? Uh, I've talked to a lot of people that say that a lot of times their plans, they, you know, sit on a shelf. But it's important that when you develop and put the time into developing that strategic plan, that more importantly, when the time comes, you have to implement it. And you How much innovation have you and your team been involved in? Uh, it's just been nonstop. I mean, everybody's gone obviously remote uh, virtually. So it's technology is playing a bigger role. Uh, communication is playing a bigger role. Uh, but we've all been doing well. I mean, everybody's working effectively. And at the end of the day, Steve, whether you're in an office or you're at home or someplace else, as long as you're getting the job done, 
taking care of business. That's what really counts. By the way, before Mary jumps in, let's plug on the back end. Mary, we have a, while Tony's a very special guest, we have a pretty special guest on the back end of Lessons in Leadership. Who would that be? Uh, that would be the great governor of our wonderful state of New Jersey, Phil Murphy. Um, one of the things about leadership is you find out not everyone thinks you're great. And not everyone <laughs> thinks Phil Murphy's great. And not everyone thinks his leadership is great. Um, but I'll tell you this. By the way, I just had lunch, which is why I'm picking my teeth. Too much TMI, Mary? I, I, I think that's way too MI. I think we'll edit that out. <laughs> you will? No, I'm no. Picking... Everything. We do it live here. So, no, that's going to be in there. We do it live. There. We're <laughs> doing it live. I, I was just quoting Bill O'Reilly there. Sorry. So... <laughs> the one thing about Governor Murphy we talked about, Tony, I'll put this into context, was when you have to make tough decisions, and he does all the time, we're taping again on October 6th, he's made tough situations every day about business, about restaurants, about gyms, about schools, about all kinds of things, right? And he has more power than he normally would because there's always this emergency environment, I don't know what it's called, an emergency, whatever it is, that allows him extraordinary powers. But doesn't it guarantee, Tony, that no matter what he does, some people are going to think, that's bad leadership. You're wrong. I hate you. You're hurting my business. How much of leadership is about understanding that if you do what you believe is right for most people, you're definitely not going to be popular with most people? I think that's a good point. And obviously, the governor deserves a lot of credit uh, when this pandemic hit. There's nothing that you can't take away from the fact that he was out front on TV every day updating people about what was going on. Now, we didn't agree with a lot of the policies, the restrictions, and we still don't, but we respect the fact that he's making those decisions. And, and I think what's important, Steve, is and Mary, is that you know, as long as there's dialogue with the governor's office, as long as you continue to raise your point of view, uh, the hope is that, and again, at the end of the day, he is the governor, he's gonna make that decision. Uh, whether or not we agree with it is a different matter, but you gotta respect the fact that He's pretty clear and direct on what he wants and what his agenda is. Uh, and so again, ben Mary, I'm yeah, sorry, no. sorry, sorry, finish your point. No, just so you got to give him credit in the sense that he, he and le a good leader communicates really well. And, and so he was on, out on TV every day uh, for a long time, and, and he deserves a lot of credit for at least keeping us uh, informed that way. Mary? Yeah, I was going to say that literally um, we have all adapted. We've all had to innovate. And Tony, I know that you over at uh, CIANJ and Commerce Magazine had to adapt as well. Talk a little bit about that because just on a, I know you and I have talked offline that your magazine that used to go out, you decided to made a conscious decision to get it go digital, get it into more hands that way. Talk a little bit about some of the changes that you had to make at CIANJ. You've done a ton of in-person events over the years and now those events have had to go virtual. So how hard was it to make those decisions knowing that they were risky and some of them never even tried before? Uh, that's a good point, Mary. And the decision wasn't hard to make. Uh, it was more out of necessity. Uh, and you really can't dwell, right? As a good leader, you can't dwell on the negative. You got to look for that positive and, and what's going to add value. And, and right away, we said, look, if we can't do in-person events, and that's CIANJ's bread and butter, let's switch yep. to events. And we pivoted rather quickly. And it, a lot of credit goes to our staff that kind of adapted, right? You need to adapt. And on the magazine side, we're one of the fir uh, very fortunate few that actually prints and publishes a monthly business to business magazine. And right away back in March and April, we said, look, people aren't gonna be in their offices. Let's downsize the number of print and digital uh, until they get back to their offices. Now, I'm happy to report that we're starting to mail more 
copies into people's offices because we talk to businesses every day. And, you know, some are bringing their people back staggered. Uh, but, uh, you know, you had to make that switch to digital because everything was virtual, everything was remote. And uh, the decision wasn't hard. You take that risk, you, you, you be strategic about it, you make informed decisions, you collect as much information as you can. But more importantly, we kept talking to our members throughout the whole, the whole pandemic. You know, what is it that we can do to help you? And your How business. are you doing that, Tony? <clears throat> Digital engagement. How much harder is it than, I don't know, getting together, have for lunch, dinner, talking back and forth? Digital engagement. Good Does it point. really work? I got to tell you, one member said to me that uh, what makes it difficult to network virtually, right, whether you're on Zoom, WebEx, whatever it might be, is you really got to navigate. You got to, you know, instant message somebody send them an email. Whereas if you're at a breakfast, you go grab a cup of coffee, you spend a couple of minutes shaking somebody's hand, who knows if we're ever gonna shake hands anymore. And then you pivot and you, and you could hit maybe 10 people in five, 10 minutes in person, you can't really do virtually. And that's been the biggest challenge is how do you do it in a way, especially when you're trying to introduce yourself to somebody that doesn't know you um, and that's critical. And I think it's been a, a challenge. Yeah, and one of the, uh, Tony, one of the things that our, uh, Steve and I do a lot of coaching seminars, workshops, and one of the participants in one of the sem seminars we were in said to us, it's the meeting after the meeting that he misses. In other words, like after you're done with that formal meeting, you're there, you're walking out in the hallway, you're heading over to the water cooler or wherever, and it's those moments that you really miss because as soon as that Zoom session is over, everybody bops out and you don't have that couple of minutes where sometimes some of the biggest business relationships are formed. Do you agree? No, I agree hundred percent, Mary. And I'm, I'm telling you, people miss that and they want to get back to that, albeit in a different world. Safe. You're going to have to wear To be it. safe, right, Tony? We all want to get back, right. but we're not in our offices. And if we ever were to go back into office or our studios at NJTV or WNET in New York, I know our PBS partners will do it in a way that's safe. Yeah. And we could do Not that. Not that we don't want to get back. It's just how we get back, right? Right. And we could do that. And, and we've, we've had successful golf events where we've taken temperatures, people wear masks, right? And then you take them off when you eat. And, and as long as you implement those safety protocols, you clean, you know, people are going to feel safe. And the outcome is that you're going to not spread anything. And that's really the, the ultimate. But I do think we, we need to get back to some sort of normalcy when it comes to how we network and, and just doing business with each other. And I think to Mary, to your point, you're right. A lot of business is done before a meeting or after a meeting. Uh, and I could tell you that our members are anxious to do it in a safe manner. And we hope that we get to that point soon. Hey, Tony, let me ask you a question. <clears throat> you're a student of branding and promotion, fair to say, right? Fair, yep. Um, so I had this book over my shoulder earlier today. I actually had this book back here that was on, like the covered my picture of my wife. And Mary said, too much. It's just too much. You can't do that, Steve. It's too much about you and it's too, it doesn't look right. What do you say? <laughs> I say you can't get enough of it, right? I mean, I... <laughs> oh, Tony, Tony, come on. This is to my wife, Jen. I'm going to apologize, Jen. I mean, you know, I, look, I feel bad next time we do this. I'll have to have a CINJ banner behind me, but, uh, you know, I'm doing it in our office, but I get it. It's all about branding. Yeah, listen, my wife is a beautiful woman. We've married almost 20 years. She's the best. I love her. But this is called Lessons in Leadership. It's not about I'm talking about my wife. So 
That's going to stay there, Mary. Yes, yeah, so it's I lessons in it. leadership. You're talking about you is the point that you're making then, no? No. Tony <laughs> Russo, our media partner, says that I should have the book behind me. So okay. that's what we're going to do. I'm going to get it blown up. I'm going to get a blown up copy of that. It's going to be behind you for our next uh, series of interviews that we do in a few weeks. Tony, you can tell this is not our PBS show. This is <laughs> our show. We're a lot looser. Thank you, buddy. All the best. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Mary. I'm Steve. That's Mary. That's Tony. We'll be right back. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ On Air, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine. Steve Adubato, Mary Gamba, Lessons in Leadership. Mary, do me a favor. We just listened to Tony Russo. We're about to introduce uh, an interview I did for with Governor Murphy. It was a one-on-one -on -one interview that was taped on the 22nd of September. A lot of the issues are evergreen, they're relevant, it's all about leadership. The only section we took was about leadership, and um, there'll be a presidential election before I believe this is seen, right, Mary? That will, yes, the election will be over. I wish we could uh, have a crystal ball, but by the time people are watching this, the election has already taken place, and we will know who our president is. We will know who our president is, maybe. <laughs> well, maybe. Friends. Actually, that's really valid. So uh, with the paper ballots, we may not know who our president is, but the this will air after November 3rd, we are or November 4th, and right now we're taping on October 6th. Yeah. By the way, in all seriousness, we were joking, we were half joking before. I wanted to have the book in there. I covered my wife's picture, and I'm going to make a prudent decision that even though she does not have the ego that her husband has, the idea that I covered her picture with my book yes. is a bad move in a marriage, and I've already been divorced once. Don't, don't want to do it twice. To yes. So, Jen, <laughs> putting this aside, and there you go. Oh, I'm just saying. Nice. No, it so, is good. Uh, are you ready, Mary? Here you go. Let me try a couple of things. Before we introduce the governor, we'll come on the back end to give some feedback about that. I talked to the governor about if he had a mulligan. As a, as a struggling golfer, I often talk about a mulligan, like you get a second shot at this. And I asked him about uh, the decisions that were made around the nursing homes sending some folks back uh, who had COVID and he'll make his, he'll give his explanation as to what he was responsible for as a leader and what the nursing homes were responsible for. We'll see. Bunch of other stuff as well. But Mary, here's the thing I want to talk about. Um, first impressions. Let's talk first impressions. You and I are writing this new book that'll be coming out early in 20 or mid 2021 on lessons in leadership, innovation in the age of COVID and beyond. And as we speak right now, we just hired a young woman by the name of Ariana. She was one of the candidates we interviewed over at the Bucino Leadership Institute at the great Seton Hall University, one of our longtime partners and friends. I've been teaching there for the last couple of years, a master class in leadership. Mm -hmm. uh, and Dr. Brian Price and the great folks there. Why am I talking about Ariana <clears throat> in the context of first impressions? And what the heck does it have to do with leadership? Sure. So as all of us know, first impressions mean so much. And I have to stop myself so many times. I judge and I make a decision whether I like somebody or I don't like somebody or if I believe in them, I don't believe in them within the first few minutes of meeting someone. So some of that is really good. It's good to follow your gut. With Ariana, it was a no-brainer with her. She was a strong presenter. She was confident. She was conversational in her communication skills. 
unlike so many young adults and even adults nowadays who use fillers such as um and ah and like in their communication. Well, you know, kind of like, like, kind of uh, like, what, what, what's and, your greatest trait? Well, kind of like, you well, know, kind of like, uh, and, um, and yeah. And, and once you start to count the ums, that sometimes I'll do that just to pass the time in an interview if it's not going exactly as I would have hoped. And we had interviewed several candidates for this position and they were all very terrific. And I, thank Brian, really I thank Brian Price and the people over at the Piscina Leadership Institute for sending them our way because we do need somebody with very strong communication skills and they were all great. But we talk about the it factor and Ariana had the it factor. She had that confidence, that communication style and skill that some of it is taught, sure, but a lot of it is just in her personality. So How about energy? Are, oh, an How energy, energy level. Yeah, and this definitely. was on a Zoom call. Yeah, and, and that's so hard because on a Zoom call, a, a lot of times you just kind of fade out, you get distracted, you're you're just looking around, and she was present, mm. she was aware, and that's hard to teach in adults, and let alone somebody that's 18, 19, 20 years old um, in their first three years of college. Also, let's do another plug. Speaking about Seton Hall, one of our great uh, partners in the public television work we do, and again, we talk about leadership all the time with the folks there as well. Um, plus, I love Seton Hall basketball. Don't miss a home game and hoping and praying there will be a season in 2021. Mike Reuter, he was a professor there for many, many years at the Bicino Leadership Institute, uh, stepped down in this past year or so. He's put so many years in there. He sends out a Sunday email, Mary. What is it called? Uh, three-minute leadership, three-minute three, three minute leadership, I believe, something along those lines. But the bottom line is it takes three minutes to read it. And I'll tell you, every week I look forward to those e-blasts. And there's so many e-blasts that you get and you kind of just delete, delete, delete. And that's one. Uh, and just recently he talked about first impressions and the importance of that first impression because it's so true. You don't get a second chance to make a first impression. You know what, Mary, why don't we do this? On our website, which people will see right now on the screen, stand-deliver.com, mm -hmm. let's reach out for Mike because he keeps putting, he, every Sunday morning I look forward to that email, that those three minutes of valuable information. He often quotes a great leadership guru, um, whether it's John Maxwell or Stephen Covey or whomever, and we learn a lot from it. Why don't we put on our website uh, some sort of connection to what Mike Reuter is doing so people can get more information, sure. not to mention the Bucino Leadership Institute that will put that link there in as well. Uh, Mary, why don't we do this? I'm going to throw this to the governor. The This is only a portion, Mary, right? You it's only a this portion, yes. And I was just going to say, especially um, uh, you can go to steveautobato.org as well as our own website, stand-deliver.com, to get a link to the full interview. We'll be promoting it on screen as well uh, after we come back. So it's just a little bit of a teaser where you talk to Governor Murphy specifically about leadership. But you did a full half hour with him. And again, you can go to our website to uh, watch the full half hour. Yeah. And by the way, I want to thank our partners, our, our, the other company, our not-for-profit, uh, the Caucus Educational Corporation. We, we, we borrowed that video from them. We also share our video on lessons in leadership back with the Caucus Educational Corporation. But this was an interview that we did with the governor on the 22nd of September. This is the only portion that's about leadership, per se, and you can decide for yourself. And the mayor will come back right after this, so one-on-one -on -one with Governor Phil Murphy. Hi, I'm Steve Adubato. Welcome to a very special program. We talk to the Honorable Governor of the great state of New Jersey, Phil Murphy. Governor, how you doing? I'm doing well, Steve. Good to be back on with you. It's good to be with you, and we'll be back in our studio at some point down the road, uh, right 
close to where you are right now at the NJTV studio. But for right now, I want to ask you this question I've been thinking about for months in anticipation of this. I'm a student of leadership. I teach it, I coach it, and I make a lot of mistakes trying to be a leader. What would you say the number one leadership lesson you have learned about yourself and about leading in a global pandemic has been? That's a great question. Uh, and, you're, and you're good at uh, teaching leadership, uh, having seen you. I think, Steve, getting the balance right, and early on, I haven't talked about Churchill in a few months, but early on I felt like this was particularly important to channel in, in some small way what he was doing early in World War II when the Germans had raced all over the continent, the Americans weren't in the war yet, getting the balance uh, between two things that seem at odds with each other. Number one, being direct and brutally honest with people, even when that news was, uh, was really um, unpleasant, news that folks did not want to hear. And by the way, this continues to this day. We, we find ourselves, this lesson continues. So being brutally honest, about what the, the odds are, what the facts are, but at the same time, giving a realistic path forward, giving hope, not just hope that is unfounded, but if we do this, the following can happen. Uh, and, and early on, you'll remember, a, a lot of that was around crushing the curve, mm. uh, bringing that awful curve down. We have brought it down, thanks to the millions, of, millions and millions of folks in our state. But I think that's probably, if I were to say, what's the one thing I take from this, other than the enormous loss of life and the, the hundreds of phone calls and memorials that we've done, uh, that's what I would say in terms of leadership. I want to be fair to the governor and, frankly, more importantly to our viewing audience. We're taping on the 22nd of September. This will be seen after that and many times um, repeated in different venues. And so we're not going to try to be timely. If you want to check out the governor, being timely, given a daily report. He does that every day. NJTV News uh, with Brianna Venosi and that team, they do an extraordinary job covering the governor day to day. But Governor, I want to ask you this. I know we're in the middle of this and there's a long way to go. Has there been one, dare I use the term, I'm, I'm a golfer, a bad golfer, so I use the word mulligan. There's no joke here, a do-over. Something that you'd say, you know what? We didn't get that right. I wish I had another shot at that. I think, uh Overwhelmingly, and I'm not alone in this, I suspect this is governors across the country. I would hope it's the president uh, and his team uh, that we had known earlier the, the magnitude. If we had known even before the first case on March 4th, uh, which is why I was, my, my heart was heavy when I heard that perhaps the White House knew a lot more in early February, getting that data, any amount of data that was reliable, we still are this way, I think that's the, the thing that, that uh, if we had known earlier that it was in our midst, and remember it was a greater New York City reality, so that that's right. the northern counties got clobbered first, Bergen especially up, up front. I think that's the one thing that any of us would want to would get a do-over on. The, the nursing home situation, your perspective on the decisions that were made regarding people dealing with COVID going back into nursing homes did you have the information that you wanted and needed to have at the time to make the best possible decision? Well, as I say, early on, I don't think any of us had the information that we, we would have liked, and no part of our society paid a, a bigger price than long-term care. 
how would I assess the industry? Uneven at best, uh, but we also have held up a mirror to ourselves. We brought in a nationally recognized firm to come in and do a co complete soup to nuts. It's actually led to laws that I've, that I've signed uh, as recently as last week. And we were very clear on one point you just made, Steve. We were crystal clear our Department of Health, led by our great commissioner, Judy Persichelli, has directive after directive that we, we never, ever, ever did or will support putting anybody who's COVID positive back into a non-COVID positive environment. If that was done, it was done completely against her directives. What we did say was you should establish, you should separate your populations, cohort them, if you will, different floors, different wings, different buildings, including Steve staff members. Because one of the things that I think we, we, we found out early on that the staff members were asymptomatic, even right. maybe in some cases loved ones coming in and out of the facilities unwittingly passing the virus on to somebody who was more susceptible. So when you separate patients, you got to separate staff as well. If, if long-term care facilities didn't do that, they did that directly against our directives. Governor, let me just say this on behalf of all of us in public broadcasting um, who are producing remotely, as you well know, uh, we thank you for uh, being accessible. We thank you for being out there every day. Whether people agree or disagree is not the issue. It's having our public officials be out there accessible and open to all kinds of questions. We, Governor, we wish you and your family all the best, and thank you. Thank you for having me, Steve. That means a lot. Hey, listen, folks, that was Governor Phil Murphy. He doesn't have an easy job, but, you know, he chose to be the leader of the state. Difficult times. I was really also impressed by the fact that he started dealing with COVID right after he came out of surgery for cancer. That's tough. Whether you like him or not, tough. Mary, he kept talking about a balance, gave the balance right early on. He felt it was important to channel Winston Churchill um, in World War II, getting the balance between things that are difficult to say, painful, bad news, if you will, and also being optimistic. Balance, right? It's so hard. You want to be honest. You want to be clear and concise in your messaging, but you also don't want to panic people. So I think he was right on. I think that you do need to be honest, particularly in a crisis, but you also have to be truthful uh, and also balance that out with being careful on what you say, because you can say too much and definitely cause major panic. You know, we're taping on October 6th. There will be a president, a new president, the current president. Hopefully we'll know who's president with all the questions about voting. But, you know, interesting, President Trump, as we speak right now, um, it was, and I don't know what's going to come out after we tape this, but a lot of, there wasn't a lot of direct specific information. Was he on oxygen at certain points in time? Um, what specific medications? Was he still on those? When was his last negative test? And I, I don't know, and I hope that it's shared after we tape this, that when this was the last um, negative test. Uh, all I'm really trying to say is transparency, openness, his doctor said he didn't, it was a HIPAA thing. The president says he doesn't want to panic people, wants to be upbeat. Help me understand what that has to do with leadership and transparency. It's so hard. It is so hard. It's like even as a parent, when you're talking to your children, right? You want to let them know just enough because they're a lot smarter. And I think with the public, I think the same thing with the governor and the president. I think they want to give us enough information so we can stay informed and make informed decisions for ourselves. About and our protecting families. ourselves. Exactly. And wear a mask to not wear a mask and go to the hospital. Don't go to the hospital. Uh, so I think just as far as a leader, give us the information you have when you have it so we can make the informed decisions in that moment. But also be honest and maybe say we don't know everything, but here's what we know right now. 
I said, real quick, I did ask the governor, people saw it at the end of this about the nursing home debacle, and it was a debacle. It a lot sure of people was. died who should not have died. And I asked the governor about it, if you remember, he said he holds the nursing home administrators responsible for it. He did not seem to take that on himself. Was that your reaction? It was. That's, I really felt that as well. And sometimes, and I didn't feel like he was passing the buck though. I feel like at certain times you rely on people who you put in positions to know more than you do if you're not in there in the front lines. And there were decisions that were made that unfortunately in the moment, um, you know, a lot of lives were lost. But he said and, it wasn't his administration at all. And this is not political. It's all he, he said when it was in nursing homes, they were expected to do certain things. We're going to crack down on them. I, I know we have to go, and I implore people to watch the entire uh, Murphy interview at steveautobato.org. Check it out, please. Mary and I will keep talking about leadership offline, and we will see you next time on Lessons in Leadership. See you next time. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is brought to you by Gibbons PC. Prager Metis, Valley Bank, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ On Air. C-I-A-N-J and Commerce Magazine. Construction companies work at the heart of our communities. So do the operating engineers of Local 825, who build our roads and bridges and ensure the safe transmission of energy that keeps us on the move. Local 825 works with contractors as partners in quality, safety, and training. Our achievements stand as monuments to collaboration that will last for generations. This message has been brought to you by the members of Operating Engineers Local 825. Better building begins here.